0: 39,
1: verses
0: 1 through to 4. When you found the text, please say amen. Okay. Isaiah chapter 39, verse 1 to 4. I'll be reading to you from the New International Version. At that time, Merodach, Baladan, son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent Hezekiah letters and a gift because he had heard of his illness and recovery. Hezekiah received the envoys gladly and showed them what was in his storehouses the silver, the gold, the spices, the fine oil, his entire armory, and everything found among his treasures. There was nothing in his palace or in all of his kingdom that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah and said, What did those men say and where did they come from? From a distant land, Hezekiah replied they came to me from Babylon. The prophet asked, what did they see in your palace? They saw everything in my palace, Hezekiah said. There's nothing among my treasures that I did not show them. Here ends the reading of the Lord's holy word.
2: Good afternoon, everyone. Please bow your heads for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you praying that you give the speaker the power to get through today's sermon. Touch his heart to make sure that he will deliver the best sermon possible. Play, I pray for the, and pray, help us pray for the youth so that you may touch their hearts and they will leave this building with, they will leave this place with something to take home in their hearts. In your humble name we pray, amen. 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 everyone yeah
1: happy sabbath everyone it is so good to see so many young people out and i would say that pastor lee wars has gone back to his youth sabbath days amen he is enjoying himself amen that's right This evening, I would like to introduce to some and present to others, Pastor David Solomon Hall. Pastor Hall is our Nevada Utah Conference Youth Director. He is a dynamic speaker, amen? Amen. He is a pastor. He is a shepherd of the sheep. He is a certified teacher. And most of all, he is a man who loves the Lord and he loves his one wife. Connie Hall, would you please stand? Pastor Hall has one son, David Hall, Jr., and he's a committed and dedicated worker as it relates to the ministry. Pastor Hall has shared with me important information about the man that he is, and I would simply submit to you that he is indeed a man of God. After the next selection you hear, the next voice you will hear is none other than Pastor David Solomon Hall. Hear ye him.
3: Oh there it is. I think we ought to say Amen again amen. for the Abundant Life Christian Academy Choir. Amen. Praise God. I I don't know about you, but I was certainly touched by what I heard. And and hearing the solo part. You know, the Bible says in 3 John chapter 1, verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Yes. And I believe this evening that those young people gave Jesus himself some great joy Amen. because of what they were saying. And I hope you understand the significance of what they were saying. It it was not just a cute phrase or or song that came out about 15, 20 years ago or so, but it it has a lot of meaning in our day-to-day lives each day. And I hope those words are words that stay in your mind that we need to shake the devil off. Amen, amen, amen. Well, it is good to see all of you this evening. It's good to see so many uh, visitors and those that have not been here any of the other nights. And my prayer is that you are blessed by everything that's said, everything that's done, and that something will happen inside of you like has never happened inside of you before. And tonight will be one of those nights, transformational night, when you truly shake the devil off and you and Jesus forge your relationship even deeper. But it's especially good, and I would be remiss if I did not say this. I wouldn't be me if I didn't say this. Now on this screen, Amen. The, the, the darker spot on the right, <laughs> that's me. Uh huh. Now every night you've just seen half of the advertised uh, individuals. Yeah. But by the grace of God, at 5.50 PM, at McCarran International Airport in Las Vegas, Nevada. A Southwest plane landed, and on that plane were a lot of important people, I'm sure, that were important to someone. Praise God. But there was this one person that when she got off the plane, after a four day hiatus of not seeing her, just scrolling through the 500 Facebook pictures I have of her, <laughs> I like her a lot, OK? So I, just, I travel a lot, so I take a lot of pictures so I can. That's it. That's it. But at 550 today, that, that, that just stopped. I, I didn't need a picture. I didn't need a Facebook. I didn't need to look at the poster in the hallway when I leave and like, oh, and touch it. Like they said in the old days, ain't nothing like the real thing, baby. And and Connie, I am. Girl, you look good. I tell you, you look that good on a Friday. <laughs> See what I've been missing all week? Praise Jesus. I, I feel good right now. I'm forgetting how bad my back is hurting right now. Like, Hallelujah. You look good, Connie. And I'm glad. I'm so glad that you... Uh, that you came this weekend. That means a lot to me. And I know why you did. And I'm okay. I've been doing okay. Pacing myself well, okay? I've been very calm. And I'm gonna be very calm tonight too, now that you're here. Amen. Okay. (laughs) The first night of this Let Jesus In Youth Revival, we discussed the question that the demons asked uh, the seven sons of Sceva, Sceva when they said, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know, but who are you? And we suggested, when you let Jesus in, as is the theme, then the devil does not have to ask, who are you? Because if you're on his side, he doesn't care who you are. But we want the devil to know our name. We don't want him asking us, who are we? Because we're doing something that's upsetting him. The following night, we were on the ship. And the waves and the winds beat on it. And the question was asked by the disciples, master, carest thou not? that we perish, and we ascertained. when you let Jesus in, you find out that he really does care. And then Wednesday, we went back to an old musical, just singing in the rain. We dialogued how no matter what life may bring, we can still sing in the rain. Now, tonight, Adrian, you read this already, but indulge me, please. Turn to Isaiah 39. <coughs> Can I get some water for please? Isaiah thir- <coughs> 39. And I want us to look at verses 1 through 4 yet again and I will read from the New King James version of the Bible Isaiah 39 verses 1, 2, 3, and 4 it reads this way NKJV at that time Merodach Baladan the son of Baladan king of Babylon sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that he had been sick and had recovered. And Hezekiah was pleased with them and showed them the house of his treasures, the silver and gold, the spices and precious ointment, and all his armory, all that was found amongst his treasures. There was nothing in his house or in all his dominion that Hezekiah did not show them. Verse 3. Then Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah and said to him, What did these men say, and from where did they come to you? So Hezekiah said, They came to me from a far country, from Babylon. Verse 4. And he said, what have they seen in your house? Hezekiah answered, they've seen all that is in my house. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not shown them. I want you to pray with me at 7.57 in the evening. Pray with me as we talk on the topic, what have they seen in your house? Let's pray, and now God our Father, you have given me this assignment, and I pray in the name of Jesus that you now give the unction to carry it out. I'm just gonna sit in the driver's wheel, behind the wheel, I'm going to let you tell me where to go and how to go. And Lord, at the end of this experience, may we be drawn ever so close to you and be able to answer in a positive way the question that was posed. I commit this all to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. You're hearing on the news about uh, Steve Jobs who passed away. Famous for the iPad, iPhone, I, everything else. He was just a brilliant individual. And people even all over Facebook are just writing and lamenting. And I read something interesting. He uh, authorized a biography because he was so busy in life that his children may not have gotten to know him. So he's dead now, but he authorized a biography so his children would have the opportunity to get to know their father. This <coughs> made me think a great deal. As I mentioned a few days ago, or I may not have mentioned, but I am going to mention it, Connie, this subject, death, is something that has been on my mind a lot. One of the students I used to teach, he was 31 years old, just got married a few years ago, had two little babies. Suddenly, another good friend of mine died. And I I have been diagnosed with a disease that there is no cure for, which means, all things considered, that same fate would be mine in the very near future so i've thought a lot about the subject it's something how you can just run through life and just have a good time and then you're faced with the end and it makes you reevaluate certain things and I wondered if I were to authorize a biography. <laughs> Who am I, right? What if I were so that my son could get to know me? What? Praise God, brother. Praise God. Amen it's right. <laughs> so glad you're here, Connie. That was just what I wanted to. I don't know why I picked up that apple juice first. (laughs) Did I say how happy I was that (laughs) you? But I wondered what would be said about me. I wondered I know what the stone, David Solomon Hall Sr. I figured you'd put that on there, Connie. June 26, 1970, that should be on there, and a dash. And then, hopefully in the far future, something else. But what would be said about that dash that's in between the beginning? in the end, what would I want said about me? What would I want my friends to think about me? What would I want the people that I serve to think? What would I want my family to think? But more importantly, what would I want God? What would he think about me at the end of it all? And my mind goes to the Word of God, looking at various people, and my mind went to Hezekiah. And if you turn quickly to 2 Kings, chapter 18, you will hear what God himself had to say about Hezekiah. If you look at 2 Kings 18, verse 3, it says, talking about Hezekiah, And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. If you look at verse 5, he trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor who were before him. Verse 7, the Lord was with him, and he prospered everywhere he went. Now that's the kind of stuff you'd want said about you. He was king. The Bible says before him, there was no king like him, and after him, there was nobody like him. He prospered in the Lord. Hezekiah was the type of person that we would want to model ourselves after. And if you go further in uh, 2 Kings chapter 19, you'll discover that the Assyrians, I'm going to break this down, I'm coming down, the Assyrians, now we just set up, Hezekiah, everywhere he went, he prospered. The Assyrians came and took over everybody's country. You remember the story, Israel split in two, Israel and Judah. The Assyrians had t- already overtaken the northern kingdom, and they sent word to Hezekiah's kingdom, you're next, and you better not pray to your God, because what God can stop us? All these other nations pray to their gods, and look where they are. Don't pull none of this pray to your God stuff on us. They sent him a letter, laughing at him, saying, what is your God going to do? And the Bible says that he took that letter, got his trusted advisors, laid it out, and the king sprawled out, prayed, said, Lord, deliver me, deliver my kingdom, and an angel of the Lord went out and killed 185,000 of the enemy. So those that weren't dead woke up, saw all the dead people, and were like, wow, what happened? And Sennacherib, who had all that big talk, went back home with no army because the Lord had fought for Hezekiah. Exodus 14, 14 says, The Lord will fight for you, and you will hold your peace. The Lord fought for him. His soldiers are all gone. So Sennacherib goes, I am setting it up. Sennacherib goes back home, and his own sons execute him so they can become king Hezekiah was blessed beyond measure things were going well in his life the Bible said he prospered in everything that he did and then we get come on David one more setup. we get to Isaiah chapter 38 where the Bible says the prophet the representative of God, comes into the kingdom and says, O king, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Not only were you going to die, but you're not going to live either. They had to add that just in case he thought the Lord was playing. You gonna die and not live. No explanation. Nothing. And everything the prophet Isaiah said would happen. So Hezekiah, Isaiah comes in. You're gonna die, not live. Peace leaves. And Hezekiah, who before him there was no king. After him was no king, was just told he was going to die. Hezekiah, who had the Lord fight for him, was told that this illness was going to kill him. And he felt helpless. (laughs) He felt very helpless. And he thought about all the good things that he had done in his life. And he was prepared to accept it, but he said, maybe, just maybe, if I talk to the Lord and the Bible says, I need something. I'm going to use this right here. The Bible says that he turned his face to the wall and prayed. He didn't want no distractions, so he turned his face to the wall and he prayed he didn't want other people that that, that pretend to say I'll pray for you but they really don't or people that don't know Jesus he wanted this thing himself he wanted it so bad that he just turned his face to the wall and he prayed have you ever been in a situation so deep so stressful so overwhelming, so pressure-filled that you had to turn your face to the wall. And pray, This was a situation that mom couldn't help you with. This was a situation that daddy couldn't help you with. Or grandma, or grandpa, uncle, aunt, the pastor, nobody. This was something that only you and God could handle. And he turned his face to the wall like you do from time to time. Hey, hey, like I had to do. Turn your face to the wall and plead with God and wrestle with God. Oh, Lord, please. I don't understand why this is happening to me. Please. But if it's your will, I'll accept it. But if there's any chance you'll do something different, I'm going to hold on by faith. That one thing he turned his face to the wall and he prayed and he's still there praying. Isaiah 38.3 I think it is. And the word of the Lord comes to Isaiah in the courtyard. Isaiah delivered the message and he's walking back home. And the word of the Lord comes to him and says go tell Hezekiah that I heard his prayer. Tell him that he's not going to die. I heard his prayer. Sometimes when you turn your face to the wall, the Lord does some remarkable things. Isaiah, with joy, walks back in there. I'm just building right now. He walks back in there and he says, King, guess what? <laughs> I know I told you you were going to die and not live. Forget that. Forget that. The Lord changed his mind. You're going to live. See you later. And he goes to leave. And Hezekiah, the king, says, hold up. Wait a minute. No. You can't be playing with my feelings like that. I need a sign from God just so I'll know. And Isaiah said to him, the shadow of the sundial will move backwards 10 degrees. Now what does that mean? That means, come on David, that means that the earth that rotates and revolves would stop its rotation and revolution. The earth, the planet we are on, would stop and go backwards. Just to show this king that God meant business. When it says that the Lord was with him, when it says that there was no one like him before him or no one after him, you can see why. You see what the Lord did for him. He stopped the world for his main man. And he'll do the same thing for you. That's the background for the story. And then we get to Isaiah 39. In Merodek Baladan of Babylon, son of Baladan, comes with gifts and a present because everybody had heard about this earth-stopping thing, and they felt this a bad boy. So let's go bring him some presents and a gift so maybe they won't come take over our country. So he's coming to to bring presents to them And, and, and just to hear, come on, David, to hear a word about their God. Hezekiah, come on David, who, 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 none before, none after. Hezekiah, who was miraculously healed. Hezekiah, the earth. When all those men came and started bowing down to him, when all those men started telling him how great he was, when all they wanted to hear was a word about his God. The Bible says that he took them on a little tour of the palace. He said, look at all my horses. You see all those shields and swords of solid gold? Yeah, that's me. That's me. Look look at my garage. See, I got a, a Mercedes. Bentley, Rolls Royce. I even got a Ford Focus. Just what I want to kick it. <laughs> but look at what all I have. Look at everything. Wait, wait, wait. I I, I know you didn't didn't want to know, but but. You would laugh if I pulled mine out because, but he he pulled out his and he started pulling out wads of money. I, I just used this one to blow my nose, I used some to wipe the sweat off my forehead. I got so much, it's not even funny. And they had an opportunity to hear the men had the opportunity to hear about God and all they heard about. Was what Hezekiah had so the men leave and when they left the Babylonians you, you, you understand you're going to hear from them a couple of years later when they come and uh uh-huh. when they left they left not thinking about Lord I lift your name on high They didn't leave thinking about what a mighty God we serve. They left thinking they got money, lots and lots of money. And they wanted to see how could we get some of that that they got. And Hezekiah was feeling good about himself. It feels good sometimes, I ain't going to lie. It feel good when you got something and somebody else don't have it and you tell them you got it and they're like, wow, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It can make you feel good. He felt real good until Isaiah the prophet came in. Isaiah the prophet said to him, so who were these men? What business did they have with you? And if you look at his response, he says, they came from a far country, saying, Isaiah, they they didn't have planes, trains, and automobiles. These brothers rode by donkey and horse just to see me. And so since they came, there ain't nothing that I didn't show them. I showed them everything in my house. Yeah. Nothing about the Lord. If you read those verses, you don't even hear God mentioned. Just, I showed them everything that I have. And then the question is asked in verse 4, what have they seen in your house? And Hez misunderstands the question and says, There's nothing that I didn't show them. But he didn't understand the deeper meaning of it. And tonight, the question that I want to ask you, when you look at where you are in life, when you wake up in the morning and you're still alive, when you wake up and you're in relatively good health, when some of you have no cares in the world, and God brings people in your life, and you have the opportunity to say something about Individuals that he sends your way, what have they seen in your house? When they come to your house, do they hear certain types of things blaring? Talking about things that Jesus may not necessarily be comfortable being around. Do they see you when you're watching the screen, the big screen, or the computer screen, looking at things, minimalizing windows when certain people walk in, but maximizing them when they walk back out? Do they they see you? pretending to be a Christian? What have they seen in your house? Those of you that have children, what have your children seen in your house? When they see you, Lord, I lift your name on high one day a week, but the other six, it's all about you. And some of the things that you say probably not words that God would want you to say. And some of the people that you talk about, God would not want you talking about. And the way that you're talking about them, the way that you talk about what's going on in the church, and then you wonder, I don't know why they don't want to join. I wouldn't want to join either, if I heard some of that. What have they seen in your house that makes Gladys Knight and the Pips suddenly acceptable, but Lil Wayne not acceptable? What if they seen the oldies but goodies are okay, and I could cut a mean rug because it was groovy, I don't know what's wrong with you young people today. And they know you still got your records and your eight tracks somewhere hidden, or CDs. (laughs) What have they seen in your house, parents? What have they seen in your lives, that when you have a Dale hole, oh, David, 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 take your time, take your time, take your time. When my son said to me, my son said to me, our son Connie said to me, I don't want to be a Christian anymore. That made me do a reevaluation. What kind of stuff? What did I do? How did I represent God that he wouldn't want any part of it? And some of you may be going through the same thing. You see the disinterested looks. Do they see you having worship in the morning? Do you pray with your young people before they go to school? Do you ask the Lord to, uh, after they have gone, protect them, let no hurt, harm, and danger come over them. Let no satanic influences in this city or otherwise come and take them over. Do you fast? Do you pray over them? Do they see you agonizing? Do you have evening worship? Do they see you reading your Bible? Do they see you studying the Sabbath school lesson? Do they see you on Wednesday nights anxious to come to church so that you can be in the presence of the living God? Do they see you first thing Sabbath morning getting ready because you can't wait to get to Sabbath school to hear someone talk about your God? Do they see you actively involved with adventurers? Because if you're in that, you gotta be actively involved with that thing. Man, that's some tough stuff. Talk, talk to me. Praise God for people that are in it. <laughs> Do they see you encouraging your pathfinders along? Hmm. What if they seen in your house. It's time for us to stop saying, what's wrong with the young people? Young people, the fault is not entirely theirs. I went to public school I go to Christian school and they had this thing called, maybe you've heard of it, basketball. And I actually liked that game a lot and I was good at it and I started starting at guard Number 11, because I like Isaiah Thomas, so I picked 11. I'm old. David Hall. And the games were Tuesday nights and Friday nights. And I played my ninth grade year, my 10th grade year, and my 11th grade year. My wife just looked at me and said, look, I saw that look. She's shaking her head, (laughs) heathen. can't believe I married him. <laughs> and Pastor Russ, I liked playing. I liked it that they said by name. I liked it. But then I look back, and people, I thought you were one of those Seventh-day Adventists. What are you doing out here? And I had to come up with something creative, creative. which meant I lied. So I compounded on it. Forget the Sabbath, I'm balling. All Lillian Hall said was, you're going to be in Sabbath school. I don't care if you come home 1 o'clock in the morning. She said, you can go to hell if you want to and play that ball, but you're going to go to church Sabbath morning. One time, I ain't get home till 3 in the morning. I'm there in church, and she said, you better not go to sleep either. I'm 16 years old, and I started to nod. She, bam, hit me so hard. I thought the Lord had struck me. I was, speak, Lord, but I serve and heareth. I mean, what? But I look back at all that stuff. I had the opportunity. I'm off the notes completely, Connie. I'm just going to go now. I had the opportunity. To say something. And I look at my high school years, and get this, get this. Before I graduated, there were some cats in my class that just died. They were huddled, some I mean, drug dealers, whatever, bang, bang, bye bye. You know, it's bad. <laughs> and I never once said to any of them, Jesus loves you. I never, good for you. I never once tried to represent him to anybody. All I cared about was what I wanted to do. Pastor used to say, there'll be no starless crowns in heaven. I didn't want to go to heaven. I just wanted to make the winning basket. Care about none of that other stuff. So when the question was asked of me, When the Lord sent people to find out what I believed, the question was asked, what have they seen in your house, David? I showed them all the stuff. Showed them all my A's. Showed them all, yeah, my wife. (laughs) Showed them all my trophies, all my plaques all my certificates, my athletical letters, my jackets. And in all of that, I never once said a word about Jesus, keep me near the cross. And I had a tremendous responsibility. And I blew it. That's why I do what I do today. Try to make up for it, I guess. You have time. The question is asked of you. When people look at you, what do they see? What would they say about you? What would they say about that dash that will precede the day that you leave this Earth? What would they say if an authorized biography was released on you? What would you want said? What would you want God to say about you? That story ends. I'm going to stop. That story ends because of what Hezekiah did, because of what he did. The Lord said, it won't happen in your lifetime. But those Babylonians you showed everything to, I got this brother called Nebuchadnezzar. He's coming and he's going to take everything that you showed those Babylonians. So you think you were showing off for your friends? No. They're going to take everything you got. The question I want to leave you with tonight is what have they seen in your, I'm going to do that, what have they seen in your, House. This is, can you play something for me? I'm going to take three minutes. This is what I want you to do. I told you, Connie, I wasn't going to preach hard tonight because i got to preach in the morning and I'm going to preach hard tomorrow. I'm not going to promise you that. This is what I want you to do. Those of you that are visiting, I want to see you here tomorrow. Please, please, come at 11. Those of you that go here regularly, I want to see you here at 11, too. Okay? That's where you go to church. Just come. This is what I want you to do tonight. I want you to take a long, hard look at your life. I had to have a procedure done on my heart couple years ago when they found out, well, this is how they found out that I had the disease. And before they put me to sleep so they could, you know, go in, this was before you moved out, Connie. So I was in that hospital by myself. Well, Pastor Palmer, he was there, but he wasn't back there for this because they were about to wheel me out. And they asked me, what church do you belong to? They asked all these questions and I was answering them. They said, we need this information in case you expire. Yeah. I said, what am I, milk or something? Cheese? What are you talking about? I do no expiration date. And they clarified that there is a chance that something could happen and you could expire. And I'm in a room all by myself with one of them backward shirts on. And they always got the air like on 20. I'm freezing in there. Then they come, how you doing? I'm cold, that's how I'm doing. And I'm sitting there thinking before they come, Connie, to put the go-to-sleep juice in the thing. I'm sitting there thinking, man, I'm going over my whole life. And I really didn't know if I would open my eyes again or not. I didn't know. And I went through every part of my life from June 26 of 70 up until that point in 2008 when I was 38. I was thinking, Lord, Lord, Lord. And then all this stuff, all these regrets came. I was like, man, I never have a chance to get that right. I began talking to the Lord and then they came with the happy juice they stuck it in the thing and I heard the doctor say something and I don't remember much of anything else but I went to a better place and while I was in that place in my mind I was thinking about all that stuff that I regretted all the stuff that I wished were different then I saw Jesus in that better place and Jesus came up to me and I was so ashamed I know I travel I preach I do all this good stuff but I was so ashamed because compared to him I was nothing I'm like Lord I'm so sorry I'm so sorry and he said to me David, you my boy. I was, what? Jesus hugged me and he said, I love you. And I just remember feeling all warm and fuzzy inside. That somebody could love me despite everything else. And in that moment, I was baptized on my 12th birthday. But in that moment, in my unconscious state, I said, Jesus, I'm going to let you into my life. And however this play out, it play out. And after I said that, Sister Brown, I started hearing something like beep, 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 beep. and And things were a little foggy. And I saw all these people dressed in white. I thought they were the angels. I was hallelujah. Home at last, the redeemed, home at last. But I looked, and then they looked like doctors. I was (laughs) all But then I got excited again, because that meant I made it. And I felt good about that. So I got one more chance. This is what I want you to do. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to pray, say amen, we leave. Here it is. This is what I want you to do tonight. This is what I want you to do tonight. This is what I want you to do. Everybody in here, I want you to do this one thing. One thing. I want you to talk to Jesus. And I want you to say to him, I want my dash to be more fulfilled. I want, when you ask me the question, what have they seen in my house, I want to give the correct answer. So what I want you to do tonight is to say, Jesus, I want you to come into my heart, into my life, so that my dash, when my dying day comes, my living will not have been in vain. Amen. Yes. The friends, They have no heaven or hell to give you. Position, no heaven or hell to give you. Money, no heaven or hell to give you. When you're lying on that bed, when you're faced with something, I'm talking now, Connie. When you're faced with something, when the doctor said to me, there is no cure, you forget all that other stuff and you start trying to get stuff right. Get it right while you have the chance. After I made up my mind to do that, I'm about to pray. Sister Rawls, the Lord gave me a second chance on Tuesday. (laughs) And he said, we got one person on earth that can perform the surgery that will keep you alive by God's grace for another 20 years. (laughs) I got another chance. I got another chance, I had not had open heart surgery yet, but once I've had it, by the grace of God, I will have had my second chance, and I guarantee, tell them, this, David, I ain't wasting no more time, I'm not wasting another day, you made a great decision today, I'm so proud of you, don't, don't waste another moment. I want you, young people, people that used to be young, people that think you're young, I want you to make a decision when you leave this place to let Jesus in. How are you going to make it? That's between you and Jesus. I'm not asking you to stand, wave your hand, do a little jig. I'm not asking you to do nothing. I'm asking you in the privacy of just you and Jesus to make that decision because once you make that decision, sorry Connie, I said I was calm, once you make that decision, something happens inside of you, something happens when you let Jesus in, you walk a little better, you talk a little better, your skin is a little brighter, your grades get better because you got Jesus Don't play, don't play, time is short, time is short, time is short, time is short, short. tomorrow ain't promise. I want you to let Jesus in, I'm going to pray, Father in the name,